Welcome to Zombie Beach. Broadcasting from the icy, cold, crusty surface of Comet. This is a Zombie Beach Podcast. I'm your announcer and man who's ready to slam into the earth so hard it causes an extinction-level event, Jerry. With me, of course, is Dan and Pat. And because Dan sits in the driver's seat of this runaway comet, take it away, Dan. Well, thank you, Jerry. It's great to be here and... I am thrilled to be here. <laughs> Did that sound like a like a, a recording from a, like one of those uh, Disneyland rides or something? You know? I don't know. It was the best thing I had at the moment. It, it, it sounded like this. Hello, Jerry. I am so thrilled to be yeah. here with you. <laughs> yeah, apparently my a, my AI is not fully installed. Is what I'm thinking. Like. Uh, Thank you. I've had, uh, at least I'm not like Max Headroom. That's uh, that's <laughs> thing. Although, although I miss Max Headroom, but uh, I do too. I never noticed that. I watched uh, all three of the um, Back to the Futures. Oh yeah. And what was it? Was it the second? It was the second one. They were camping on Max Headroom with all everybody. Then they had a Ronald Reagan Max Headroom going on. Oh, that's scene. funny. That's right. I forgot about that. And, and I'm wondering if, like, kids watching that now would go, "What? What is that? What? What?" <laughs> they no. wouldn't have the reference. They, they wouldn't. They wouldn't understand. I mean, I actually went back and watched the uh, Art of Noise video where Max uh-huh. Max Headroom actually came from, and huh. it's it's like, I mean. Granted, it's a it's a four minute music video, and there's no explanation for why Max Hedrum is there. That's just he's on a TV, and it's like, I, I I just I just have to wonder, like when they went into the pitch meeting, like how they got a freaking full TV series out of just this this random uh, guy. Well. Uh, image, whatever, on a TV and gave him his own show, much like the Geico Caveman show, which lasted a, a whopping three episodes. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, are you kidding? Oh, no, dude, yeah. Yeah, they got their own TV show. They had it, uh, I believe, I believe it made it three episodes before they yanked the plug on that one. But, oh, uh, that's too bad. They probably didn't have... Oh no! It was not. It was not too bad. It was. Like, <laughs> it was just bad. <laughs> it was just bad. Yeah. It was. It was one of those things. Like, oh my God, are you really still? You know, put put this out of everyone's misery. For God's sake. It's like, it, I'd, uh, I'd rather see the the, the gecko commercial. Uh, oh, uh, the gecko would be great. He'd be great. I think he'd be wonderful. But anyway, <laughs> very. Probably, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, it's probably where Johnny Depp got his his uh, western. Oh, yeah. Where he, oh was, yeah. where he was the gecko. Right, right, right. Well, I'm super excited about uh, the movie we're going to talk about today, uh, Night of the Comet. Uh, number one, just because it's, uh, for me, this movie is like right up there with, you know, the the whole uh, comedy, uh, uh, a zomedy, I guess you'd call it, you know, kind of that, that, uh, Lighthearted uh, '80s new wave comedy zombie adventure where it doesn't really take <laughs> itself very seriously, and I, I I just really like that. I have a I have this uh, affinity for uh, '80s films because I think it was such an interesting era because you could make a movie for a tiny bit of money and. It could it could just clean up at the box office, and I did a little bit of a deep dive uh, after I watched the movie for the second time, and I'll share my thoughts on that in a minute. But do you realize that this movie was made for only seven hundred thousand dollars? Yeah, I, I, 
I pulled that oh, yeah. up myself. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah, but I didn't at the time. So so I'm just just surprised. just for our listeners, um, this movie was uh, made in 1984. Um, it was um, through the Atlantic Releasing Corporation, which who, who knows what what that is? Yeah, I don't even know. You know, uh, but it stars Catherine Mary Stewart. Kelly Maroney and Mary Warnoff, who has been in a lot of um, cult films of, of that era. So she, she has a, a moment in there. She's a total cult figure, cult film figure. Exactly. Yeah. And now, and uh, here's a bit of interesting trivia, Pat. I don't know if you saw this, but um, actually, in the movie, because it did come out around the same time, ironically, uh, coming out the same year that Nightmare on Elm Street came out of. I don't know if you knew that, 1984. No, I didn't. Yes. Uh, it, it actually opened uh, one week after the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Now, Heather Langenkamp, who played Nancy in Nightmare on Elm Street, actually auditioned for the role of Samantha in Eye of the Comet. Ah, oh, man. yeah, okay. I know that was a little bit of trivia. I did not know. I so, that was... so the Venn diagram has uh, an intersection there. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, there is. It's, it's the Venn diagram is really, really great. Um, also uh, notable is that the, the movie actually doubled its uh, production value. It like it, it made, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, well, 700,000 times two is a hundred and, one million four, one million four, something like that. Yeah, and <laughs> which is not what the common cost of a house. Oh my gosh! Right? Yeah. You could, <laughs> how, how sad is that? That like uh, you can you can make a movie for uh, for well seven hundred thousand and eighty four dollars. I guess would be quite a bit more. But regardless, uh, I I think there's an interesting charm about this movie that I really like because it doesn't take itself serious. Kind of like. Adventures in Babysittings meets the undead. You know, it's got that yeah. same kind of of. Uh, I keep saying lighthearted, but it's really not. I mean, it's what what would be the word? Pat, help me out. It's it's more like a. Uh, it's it's a, definitely a satire. Satire, yeah. Satire, and it does the the actors in this film. I think really do a great job of of taking the content. Seriously, which is you know, which is a must for for doing um, any sort of really good satires when the buy-in is at a hundred percent, right? And I thought they did a great job. The girls were cute; they were fun, you know, and they were doing all the things that you would imagine a teenager that doesn't really have any kind of clue about what's really going on would normally do, like going through the shopping mall and going on the shopping spree and doing the radio station thing. I, yeah. I thought, I thought it was, it was really a lot of fun and uh, definitely at least, you know, in the Dan Ledbetter uh, uh, universe of, of wonderful films that I would highly recommend to people. I, I'd say it's in my top 15 for sure. Wow. Yeah, I know. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't give it that much, but uh, I'll tell you. For me, um, the film stayed with me more than than I liked it when I was watching it. So, so after the film, you know, I, it, it it definitely made me think a lot about about it. Um, I'll tell you what 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 didn't what I didn't like about it, and then all right, what's but, that? But that that but. That is to say that what I liked about it totally overshadowed what I didn't like about. It. What I didn't like about it was the pace. Okay, the all right. Tell me more. Film, it was kind of uneven. It was either a uneven or b. It just it, it didn't build any tension for me. Okay, um, and uh, I think um, part of it had to do with the script itself. So so. Don't get me wrong. The conceit or, or or the concept of the film I thought was just fantastic. I loved it. I, I I really liked it. But there were plot points in the script that I I felt that well, not only that, but in the dialogue itself, I thought that if they they did another rewrite or two of it, it would have been good. Right. I mean, it would have been really up there. 
Um, so uh, that's what I didn't like about, but I really love the concept of it. And, um, you know, when I looked it up in IMDb, it says that the, the writer director really wanted to merge the idea of a strong female protagonist with his uh, love of post-apocalyptic films. Right. And so um, I really like the idea of, of, of giving young, young females agency in this. And the, and the idea to do that was, was made it funny. Right. Yes. You know? Uh, so, um, yeah, that, that was, that all was, was brilliant. I thought, um, and uh, so, so I, I mean, I give it a thumbs up. I give it a, a, a fairly high rating, but um, it could have been even greater. I thought. Well, do you, now, do you think it could have been greater, or do you think it was as good as it could have been for 1984? No, I, I don't think it. I don't think about uh, it, it could have been as good for 1984. And the reason being is that my my issues had had to do with the script itself. So, oh, okay. All right. So, so I, I feel that the, that the, that the dialogue could have been a little bit snappier, although the, I thought the gals really played it well. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and I thought that in the editing, they, they could have, they, they, they could have built the tension a little bit better. Yeah. Now, do you think that that was, uh, do you, well, I, I no, that's uh, that was a bad question. I was going to say, but do you think if they had more money and had more time, they could have really invested time in? But I mean, they really did have a low budget for for yeah. back in that day. Well, and I say this because you know there are a number of of really schlocky films that that are cut really well. You know, right? Um, so, so I don't unless there was a time constraint in the editing room. You know, I don't know. Well, there is a lack of caring, <laughs> yeah, right? It's like, oh, well, that'll be fine. Well, one of the things I did, I did when I was doing my deep dive on this, I did come up with some very interesting, um, interesting bits of tidbits of trivia about the movie that kind of lead to like what we're talking about. So, uh, one of them is that the actors were advised to improvise for any, you know, uh, unexpected events to avoid additional takes. Like when, do you remember when the gun fails during yes. Samantha's and she goes, see, that's the problem with these things. Daddy would have gotten us Uzi's. That was all, all ad lib. And that was a great line. It was a great line. <laughs> yeah. It was perfect. And that's what makes it so wonderful. It's like, and, and the whole point of them go, Hey, if something goes wrong, just go with it. So we don't have to do any, any other takes because right. the budget was so tight, you know, and like the people yeah. turning into calcium dust, it was actually just brick dust. Right. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, it's, it's, that's one of the things I love about indie films. And honestly, this could have been an indie film, you know, if it was done today for the, for the budget, well, $700,000 is still a pretty big budget for an indie film today, but. Uh, I, oh, especially since you're not paying for film. Oh, right. No kidding. You know, no kidding. And processing, but yeah, I thought it was great, and I thought they did a, an amazing job with what they had, and it was a lot of fun. Now, Jerry, what give, give us your uh, your take on it? Well, building on what you just said, I really think that this film, in the state that it is at this moment, could have been in the present day done on an iPhone <laughs> with the same with the same or, or better special effects. For like ten thousand bucks, yeah. Unless you have to pay the actors, you know, right. and then it goes up a bit. But uh, it didn't. It didn't occur to me until Patrick was talking about it that this was really an early film to have a strong female protagonist like that. Because nowadays you just kind of expect it. Ever since Ripley and of Alien, course, of and, course, and yeah, and, and you know the the oh the the. Oh God! What's her, what's her name? Who played Lilu in uh, Fifth Element? Oh, uh, She's got uh, her... uh, not Natasha Henstridge. That was a hot chick from Species. Um, oh my God! I, I can't, can't remember, remember her, her name. name. Are you kidding? I, I know. I can't remember. She's she's awesome. I just think her as Lilu. But I mean, she's had a whole string. Yeah, she was in Resident um, Evil. Uh, she was that's, in. That's what I was thinking. Of. She's got a whole string. Yeah, of Resident yeah, yeah, yeah. And now she's in Monster Hunters. Or right. Like that. And she is. The female Bruce Willis, she's, right? In the she's, a badass. Right. she's a badass. 
but but back in 1984, that was not normal. Right, and but, this this apparently was the uh, inspiration for uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, I didn't also, know that. Did, yeah. When, when did when did Alien come out? Was that Alien was 1979? Oh, okay. So Alien does predate. Yeah. That. So that's, that's yeah, probably it's okay. just starting it. But but if you if you remember. The, in the early 80s, then the number of teen types of films, you know, were like porkies and, oh, you know, yeah. and just kind of yeah. exploitation type of, of of films where if there is American. Pie. Yeah. You know, all, all that kind of stuff. You know, I'll even go with uh, 16 Candles. Oh, and you know? times the Ridgemont High, that whole deal. It's like, yeah, I get it. So, so I mean, one could say that, you know, those films were, you know, of the time, but this actually, yeah, like, like I said before, um, and, you know, apparently, you know, what the, what the screenwriter was wanting to do is to give agency to these valley girl type, you know, uh, characters. Right. And, yeah. and, it, and it worked. It worked. <laughs> They were surprisingly deep for how shallow they were, too. Yeah, exactly. Well, he set it up. He was kind of brilliant because he set it up with 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 how they are dealt with by by adults. So the the stepmother, the um, and and the uh, um, the the pitcher house manager. uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Trying to sell the upsell the the antenna. Right. But I really did think one of the things that I really I liked about the movie was and maybe it's just I like this idea because it's played out pretty much in every uh, either alien or zombie film. It's like where, you know, some there is a big event happening, like the comet passing by and everybody's outside, you know, soaking it in, wanting to be a part of it. You know, like an Independence Day when they go up on (laughs) the roof, like, you know, hey, take Take me, me, me up. up. (laughs) And then, you know, that's a catastrophic event. I just, for whatever reason, I don't know what it is about that. That's a great idea. (laughs) I love love the herd mentality of that. It's like, it's we, we're going to go outside. It could could kill all of us, but why not? Let's go check it out. Well, that's, I mean, I know you guys don't like Cloverfield, but that was my favorite parts of Cloverfield were the the very realistic um, reactions of the crowds to things like the the head of the Statue of Liberty being knocked off and landing in the middle of New York. They're just out there, you know, filming it with their right, cam- right. their their phones. They're like, oh wow, look at this. Like <laughs> so if if I was to rewrite the Night of the Comet though, I would have I would have taken the two kids from the end and given them at least a thread of the story from the beginning. So you would, it would carry you through to the natural conclusion of them meeting and saving the kids. And that might've ramped up your, your, um, your empathy and, 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 uh, what am I trying to say? Yeah, uh, I, and maybe it would have increased the drama and right. And and uh, the the one other thing that I would have done was, and again, it might have been a, a time or a budget constraint, but I, I I would have I would have liked to have had just a smidgen more of a backstory on the the scientist enclave. That was there, and, and what, oh, right. what were they trying to do in the first place? I didn't get that. You know, I mean, I thought that they were just this kind of uh, of survivalist mode. You know, uh, you know, we're we're in our little pod place, right? Right. Uh, I, I I I got that, but I didn't get really what their what their motivation was after that, except that they they wanted to continue their own species, I guess. But uh, I kind of took it that that was actually set up for nuclear war uh or other things. And so this fell into that. Yeah, that's what I got too. I felt it was more like a, uh, 
you know, when things, if we suspect things are going south, let's move everybody to the secure bunker. Yeah, but but yeah. I, again, what what was unclear for me, at least at the first, was was what were their motivations for going out and 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 interacting with with what was left of society? I guess. Um, right. Anyways, but. Oh, I think it was because they didn't they didn't understand why and the only reason I know this is because I've seen the movie three times, right? <laughs> but they didn't understand why some people were surviving and not being right. affected. They they just didn't realize it was because these people had shielded themselves right. and were would have been infected. So it was just it was the whole thing was a comedy of errors and and the the Warnock character, she was pointing this out. You know, you're we're being stupid. This isn't helping right. anything. You know, we were dumb. We left the vents open. We deserve right. what we're getting. Let's leave these poor people alone. So I, I mean, I got it at the all, end, I, but, I, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, it's one of those, you I, have to a, just view, uh, do your suspension of disbelief and just go for the ride. Oh, yeah. And I totally well, did I that. Know, and, I, I, and I and I enjoyed myself. Believe me. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. Um, I did, too. Um, one of the things that um, when Michelle and I were watching this, as, as, as I may have talked to you about in the very first podcast we did, uh, when we started doing our our film series, we we went into um, all the versions of I Am Legend. Oh, right? so, nice! Uh-huh. So you know, we watched The Last Man on Earth with Vincent right. Price. That was a 1964. Right. Um, oh, Night of the Living Dead, which was inspired by that. Um, yes, yep. And then uh, the Omega Man with Charlton Heston in '71. And then, of course, the 2007 Will Smith version of I Am Legend. I thought that this film, that uh, Night of the Comet, was right in there. And in fact, I, I felt like I was watching another version of the Omega Man. To be honest, but, does, with you. but doesn't that doesn't oh, that yeah. play into just about every every uh, sort of end of the world? scenario it's yeah. like it's kind of the last man on earth kind of vibe i like, thought I, I thought the whole that whole scene with them in the uh in, in the store that, that was, uh, was so much oh, yeah. like the omega man you know it's like right. in fact they did the same bit where 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 one of the characters was acting like a mannequin you know <laughs> so. right which is sad that Chuck Connors wasn't involved in that, but that's <laughs> that's that's for another that's for another uh, story altogether. Now you know what you know what's funny because the movie actually did well. I mean, it doubled its its money, so one would have thought that there would have been a sequel or two, much like uh, Romero's Night of the Living Dead became Dawn of the Dead, which became Day of the Dead. Like there, there's been just all of these. Uh, sequels. I I'm just curious as to why uh, Night of the Comet didn't get a, uh, a, a either a reboot or a, uh, a a franchise out of the deal. Um, it probably all depends well, would... on on where the rights of the film were laying. If it's if it was with the uh, with the director slash writer himself, he may not have liked whatever. Film he, he, he wanted to main, maintain whatever. the integrity of the film. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, I mean, it it did say that this comet only showed up once every one point nine million years or so. No, but there could have been there, the, 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 the sequel would have been because they, they yeah, but the, the sequel would have been you know okay. The, the 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 new pseudo family that was created, you know, how are they right. surviving, right? Right. Or what's next for them? Like yeah. what's what's down the line? Kind of like uh, Mad Max, right? You know what I mean? You, yes. you got- You'd have to go that direction because the whole the whole premise of the first film was everybody's right. dead. We're we're going to start anew, but 
then you're going to go on with that. It's kind of boring. They've already well, unless they, no, but I there think. there might be even more zombies that are coming out. Who knows? Well, and different zombies, much like yeah. the Silent Hill series, where you know wacky crap's going on in this town that nobody wants to go back to, but everyone keeps going back there, and they find different levels of creepy monsters. Or no, not not Silent Hill. Sorry, uh, Resident Evil. It's like it. You've got oh. all these different things that keep popping up. Like you, you know, uh, talk about your um, uh, bad corporation that unleashes horror upon society. Resident Evil is great in that sense. Okay, they had the um, whatever they called the uh, the the strain that they made that created all these zombies, but it also turned these super monsters and bigger monsters and more horrible monsters and that's how they kept the franchise going which by the way there is another resident evil coming out <laughs> so it's like i, I get I, it's, it's get, get I, on the resident evil train baby <laughs> on a, honest, honestly you probably should watch that film and talk about it because i i think that well, I've never oh had dude dude it is really good i mean from a story standpoint that was one of the um first uh, movies made from the premise of a video game. I believe so. Yeah, I tried to play the... Have you ever played I, a video game? Because I, I started and I had to stop because it was too scary. Oh, it's, it's, it's horribly <laughs> frightening. I mean, I'm, I'm finishing up uh, the... the uh, what is it? Doom Eternal, based on the Doom series, which was a horrible film. Yeah. Oh my God, the movie was... Uh, I so you know what? Well, I, Doom was a funny game. I loved play, it. Though. It was full of James Bondy and you know one-liners. Oh no, you're thinking you're thinking of Duke like Nukem. That. Duke Nukem. Oh, yeah, yeah, but that could, now that Duke could have been a very funny film series. That was totally you know written for uh, for Arnold Schwarzenegger or Dolph Lundgren to be uh, Duke Nukem. Doom. Doom is more of yeah. like scientists open a portal to hell and these demons start coming through and one dude, that's one right. dude is there to kill them all. And it's, it's a great running gun. And that's basically what it is. They tried to make a movie out of it with the rock and it was just, it was just, Oh my God. And then they, then they made a sequel. Oh good God. Like it wasn't horrible <laughs> enough here. Let's, let's add insult to entry and make a sequel. And it was, Oh, it just, I don't know about you guys, but do you, don't you get that? that cringy thing in your stomach and it like pulls your testicles up to your, uh, <laughs> your esophagus when it is like, it is such an embarrassing, horrible moment that you wish you, you go, Oh, I feel so, Oh, I feel so bad for these people. It's like, and I just want to, I just want to die. I just want to die and, and not have to watch this film anymore. <laughs> but that's, but that's how it was. And it's like, I go, who in the hell, Went, sat down in a meeting and says, no, 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 wait, I got a great idea. I know the first one was bad, but this one will be better, I swear to God. Oh, sure, here, here's uh, here's $5 million. Go go make a, a, a better film. And then it turns into this dog turd. It's, <laughs> oh, my God. But anyway, uh, I digress. But I'm, I'm saying uh, I think that it would be it would be good for us maybe to start a series of uh, the horror films that actually came from Video games. I think that would be a fun series for us to do because some yeah. of them are really good, like Silent Hill, uh, Silent Hill, and Resident Evil, and some of them are really, really bad. You know, uh, Doom and uh, several, several others. <laughs> and it's 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 an interesting time in cinema where. I, I can't get a blanket statement out and say that everything that has come out recently horror wise has been terrible, but it, it really has been kind of slim pickings um, for the horror genre from the, for the last two years, partly because of COVID. And I understand that, but man, I I'm just waiting for, I'm, I'm waiting for a Renaissance in horror. To so, so Dan, Dan, speaking uh, of which, um, Last night, Michelle and I saw The Vigil. Oh, the one we talked about. And? Uh, I loved it. We both loved it. Really? It's, it's, um, it's very reminiscent of The Babadook. 
Yeah. Um, right. It's sort of the same kind of premise, except with, you know, Orthodox Jew, Jews. Right. Um, I thought it was brilliant. Really? Uh, it, had, it had probably the best soundscape I've ever heard. I, I, I've ever. Oh, really? Experienced in a film. It's like, it's like all of the horror really came out of, of what you were hearing. So it was more atmospheric horror. Yeah, totally. It, okay. I mean, it was, it's just like the Babadook, you know, it's this guy who's in this enclosed space and the horror of is, is invading him somehow. Right. Right. You know, and, Oh man, I loved it. Okay, I'll watch it. I'll check that out then. That's I. I'm always looking. I'm I'm always digging through. Like, what did I watch the other night? Which I think would be a lot of fun for us to review as well. Uh, did have any of you guys seen the movie Dead and Buried? Dead and Buried. The guy who played uh, I've heard of uh, the man from Chico and the Man. What's his name? When was this made? <laughs> this was made in 1981. Oh, there it is. Jack Albertson. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, yeah. Okay. Basically, I, I don't want to give it away. I don't, I really don't want to give it away. It is, it, when I first watched it, I remember renting it from a video store, never seen it, just basically got it off the cover art of the box. And I'm like, oh, how interesting. What is this about? And I was actually, very pleasantly surprised by the level of tension and just the undertone of something's just not right with with people in this town. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't quite expect the ending. I, it, it kind of caught me off guard. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty, pretty brilliant. So, I mean, maybe we should watch that. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a good movie, and it's only uh, what is it? Uh, an hour and thirty minutes long, so it'd be it'd be a quick one to watch, easy one to to uh, to check out, and it did have a three million dollar budget, so that's exciting. Oh, okay. And it only made three uh, million at the box office, <laughs> so it bro- so it broke even. <laughs> no, no sequels no, no. there. <laughs> uh, alive and reburied, I think, is what the. But um, yeah, I, I think what I'm I'm really excited about because if you think about it, there really hasn't been a great horror film that has. Um, all right, I want to be careful here. I'm, I'm treading on thin thin ground. There hasn't been a horror film made that really defined the generation of its time. Like if you go back and look uh, from like the 1980s, right? You had the slasher genre, which was like your uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, your, uh, well, actually it goes back even farther. Sorry, 79, 78 with Halloween, uh, Friday the 13th. You know, they went through that whole deal. Then 1984 hit. And we got Freddy Krueger, which was probably the most original horror icon that that we had ever seen. I mean, honestly, because he was terrifying, not yeah. only from a physical standpoint, but the fact that he can come to you in your dreams when you're the most vulnerable and kill you. Right. We, and, uh, yeah. It was like the... Uh, he was definitely modern, the modern-day boogeyman. Yeah. And, and you know, when you think about it, he, he ranks up there with the... You know, with Frankenstein and Dracula, oh, absolutely, and all of those with the iconic movie monsters, yeah. with, without question. And I think that we haven't seen a really good movie monster since that time. I'll I'll go out on a limb and say that because if you look at where horror went, we started getting oversaturated. Then the sequels started coming out, and then they kind of right. watered Freddy down and made him more of like. Uh, uh, you know, a uh, uh, Vegas uh, 10.30 p.m. show comedian. Yeah, everybody you know, was waiting for his witty... For his wacky one-liner. one-liner. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then it kind of went, the horror film genre really shifted 
Did they put him in No, space? you know what? Uh, no, but they did pit him against Jason. If you haven't seen Freddy versus Jason, it's it's actually oh, fun, right. but they did do uh, uh, Friday the 13th. Jason X is in space, and it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's, that's when he, as soon as I saw that, I jumped went, the shark. there it goes, there it goes. <laughs> they, they, jumped, they jumped the whole shark tank, man. It was, but you know what the beautiful part about it was? They they actually they actually knew that they were jumping the shark, and they played the movie along with it. They they made it so that it wasn't. Yeah. They knew it could not be taken seriously. Jason in space, and it's actually if you've never seen it, Jason X. I highly highly recommend you do because it's one of the only films that I've seen where. Uh, We've gone to space in a horror film and actually made it work as a satirical version of itself. Like le- Leprechaun uh, in space. I mean, my God, are you kidding me? Get, get, put a, put a ice wait, they yes, are you kidding? Chucky in space. They didn't do they didn't do Chucky in space yet. Sharknado. I, I, well, no, they did. Sharknado did go to space in, in one of the sequels. They went in a space shuttle to get the shark. And it was I thought it's a whole new world on that. But but they did they did Hellraiser in space. It was like, oh, oh good Lord. God, people really is is this is what we've come to? It's like but anyway, back to my original point was now we've seen horror drift more into, uh, dare I say, like the torture porn kind of thing, like with your hostile yeah, saw, saw. Yeah. all those all those very gruesome sort of and, and actually more like revenge films, to be honest, kind of a revenge or just a senseless killing sort of thing. like Green Inferno is a good example of just a senseless uh, cannibal thing whatever and and i think that um i think that we are ready for a new cinematic monster like something has got to come through that changes the scope of where filmmaking is going from a horror from a horror standpoint now like you said there are some standouts like uh hereditary was great I thought uh, I can't wait to see the ritual now, uh, the the vigil. Sorry, the vigil. Uh, and I think there's a few others where, like, like they're they're starting to come back, but it's very yeah, slow. J- Jordan Peele's films. I'm oh, absolutely, there. yes, absolutely. By the way, there is one called. Um, oh, I was going to tell tell you guys last week, but we couldn't get on. Um, it was like a Western. It was like a paranormal Western thing that was on Netflix. It was a recent release. Like, I think it was in 2020. I think it was called like, like the wind or something. Very, very, let me, let me find it real quick because um, it was, it's on Netflix. So if you have Netflix, I think it's called the wind. Is that it? The wind. Break like the oh, wind. Oh, uh, breaking the wind. <laughs> breaking the wind. Yeah, that's a whole different film. <laughs> um, yeah, it's called The Wind, and that was 2018. And basically, uh, a plains woman uh, faces harshness and isolation of untamed land in the Western frontier, late 1800s. Wow, talk about a very creepy. Uh, again, going back to what we talked about before really setting up this whole atmospheric horror thing. So the, uh, I, I guess I was being a little uh, presumptuous in saying that there wasn't anything out there, but I really don't see anything coming up that is going to change the face of uh, modern horror that we know today. Uh, I was seeing, uh, and I don't remember all the specifics of it, but there's either a movie or a, series coming out where it's basically they're taking COVID and they're saying that it. Oh yes. Ends. Yeah. I saw the preview for that. And, and it's getting worse and worse. And then you have to like, there's like only certain people or, and I'm like, why, who wants to see more COVID well, shit? Well, I what think it's fuck? like, it's, it's Stop. like they're trying to find something that resonates with everybody today. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, but everybody was sick of it already, and now we're like, you know, we're going to want exactly. more of it. But, yeah. but you know what? That's the sign of the times. It's like, uh, what's the one? What's what's a what's an original horror idea we can do? Oh, we'll do uh, the plague. Here, great. That's is great. What plague do we have? Oh uh, well, uh, how about COVID? Sure, let's do that. And hey, hey, Dan. Uh, did, I, here, did, did, speaking of the plague, did you ever see? Uh, the great Roger Corman film from the 60s with Vincent Price, um, uh, Mask of the Red Death. Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? That's like <laughs> that's a classic. I love that film. <laughs> it's a great it's actually a really good film. Uh, and you know what? I I am such a Roger Corman fan. Like I I wish we I wish we had uh, a new Roger Corman or we could clone him. To have him around today because I think I think his films would be. I, I wish we I wish we had Vincent Price still. Oh, uh, you know what? Honestly, we have we have lost so many great uh, horror icons. I don't even know. Uh, he's if he's over. I mean, I mean, he was over a hundred years old. In fact, uh, a few years back at his at his hundredth year, uh, you know, he was from St. Louis, right? And so we had a, a Vincentennial. Oh, in town, and they they, they they showed films at at the um, at one of the the movie houses. In fact, they showed films at the art uh, at the art museum outside. Um, it was like for a whole week. There was just, and then they would have uh, talks, and and you know, it was like a it's almost like a convention. It was really cool. I love I love the fact that it's called a Vincentennial. That's like yeah. the best thing ever. That's I know. But we really have. We don't really have anybody that would you would consider a horror icon anymore. You know, I think we've we've really lost. I mean, we have uh, Robert England, but Freddie's yeah. been Freddie's been kind of out of the out of the limelight for quite a while. But and and poor Angus yeah. Grimm, you know, passed away years ago. But uh, you know, no no more uh, Phantasm movies. Which, by the way, I don't. Have you guys even watched all of them? I saw the first and the second one. I didn't see the third one. I, I got to tell you this. I think you would be uh, you would be remiss in your duties as a human being <laughs> if if you if you did not watch the very last one, which uh, I believe is called Ravager. I think Phantasm Ravager. It was shot and and Angus died during the shooting, but they got. <laughs> They got all of his scenes in, and it's actually, it's one of those movies where you know they're that they're trying to tr they're trying to tie up the franchise, right? It's like right. it's like they yeah. want to put a bow on it and call it good because you know, good God, it's it's been around since nineteen seventy eight. So the fact that they continue to make these movies year after year is uh, a tribute to you know, some sort of uh, fan longevity in regards to the characters and the scenario and the what ifs. And this movie really does a good job of tying up the phantasm package and putting a bow on top to where at the end, it's like you go, okay, I, I feel good about you know, it's kind of like uh, going to a funeral and you, you throw your handful of dirt on the casket and you walk away and you kind of wipe your hands off. You go, okay, I, I feel a, a sense of completion here. I feel like something is done. And I I really think that that, out of a ton of different movies that have been, you know, uh, done to death, uh, really did the best job of tying up the franchise and saying, here it is, now we have the whole box set that goes from start to finish and you feel good about the end of the series. I, I have to say the very first one, I, I can say that that's probably in my top five horror films ever. Oh yeah. Um, I, I, I it, it was just, I don't know. I had a profound impact on me when I was you know, younger and it still stays with me today. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. The fact that there's this orb <clears throat> flying around with these, you know, spikes in it. With yeah, or the drill in it. Yeah, it's like the drill, you know. I mean, yeah. who thought of that, man? But, I mean, but think wow. about this. Think about this. You watch that movie. That thing's so iconic. 
It's it is. Too. It is. No, 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 right? no. You're you're absolutely right, and that is the appeal of it. And notice this: the suspension of disbelief for that movie. You had to put that thing on extra large, high, like it, like I, I'll just buy any fucking thing there's thing because you got to figure out. Okay, number one, tall, scary mortuary dude with flying balls flying around and like. Midgets, you know what? You know, I, you know what I thought about that film um, more so than than the Freddy Krueger stuff. I thought that film really captured what a nightmare really is. Yes. Yeah, oh, it yeah. really was. It really yeah. was a nightmare because you actually have people that you care about. You care about the kid. You care about his brother. You care about the ice cream man, right? Those three characters are the core of that film and you actually like them because they're likable characters and you get the angst of the kid, Mike, like not wanting his brother Jody to leave because their parents are dead and blah, 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 this whole thing. And it's like, you, it's ordinary people thrown into extraordinary circumstances. And yeah, there's it's a great, there, great premise. There, there's a number of, there's a number of films and, and works of art that I think really capture dreamscape if you will um that's one of them you know uh where the wild things are you know uh marie sendak's book uh is it marie sendak no uh it's the children's book where the wild things are i thought that one does it uh, amazingly uh captures what a dream is like uh absolutely kids you know um and you know yeah, it, I, yeah mean, I mean, there's a bunch of them out there, but but Phantasm ranks right up there, man. It just it's like because because it it, it 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 gets it gets me very viscerally, you know. Well, um, there's something terrifying about an unstoppable force that you really don't have any idea where it came from, what it's why it's doing what it's doing, but it's doing horrific things like taking dead bodies and putting them in a barrel and shipping them to Mars as dwarves to be slave laborers. And you're going, what? Oh, what? I don't even, wait, hold it. You, there's no backstory here. I have no, I don't understand any of it. And that's but, what's creepy about it. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. And then you got the flying orbs. What the hell's the deal with the flying orbs? How did they even get started? Where, where do you buy a flying orb these days? I don't know. It's, it's, Flying orbs are us. <laughs> yeah, I think I think orbs are us is the name of the story. But it it really is. Uh, I, I really think it's a seminal piece of of filmmaking genius because it was uh, it was written and directed and produced by Don Cascarelli, and he he had a vision for a film and he made it happen, and it was very low budget, but man, did it it worked out really well. It's a great film. Very good. Yeah, but I would highly recommend, on that note, you know, maybe one day we should actually uh, do a deep dive into Phantasm or the whole Phantasm series because there, there, is, there is such a deep well that goes deeper into the, uh, like, origin story of, like, where the tall man came from and all of this stuff that you go, oh, oh, holy crap. Like that's what that is, and it's—I don't want to spoil it because there are such some really good moments. But if you find the time and you find you have a couple of hours, you know, a couple times a week to to do something, I highly recommend you go through that series because I would love to talk about like the entire Phantasm franchise. We could do a whole hour on that easy. I'm I'm game for that. I haven't seen them yeah. since they were new. I, in fact, I don't I don't even remember see I. I think I saw the second one, but I don't remember. Well, you know what? There's a second, a third, a fourth, and I think, well, let me look. I think, that is there five or is Ravager the last one? Because they did a uh, Phantasm Two. The ball is back. That was kind of a big, uh, <laughs> that's what they said. That's what they said. That was the tagline. Phantasm series. Let's see what we got here. All right. The Phantasm franchise, if you will. Uh, from Wikipedia, there's Phantasm, Phantasm 2, Phantasm 3, Lord of the Dead, Phantasm 4, Oblivion, and then Phantasm Ravager. So it spans from 79 to 2016. So they did a great, 
I, that's Whoa. pretty good. That's Whoa. that's I a pretty good realize. run, right? So they did it in ni- yeah. 1979. Yeah. Then the second movie came out in 1988. Then the third one came out in 1994. Phantasm Four: Oblivion came out in 1998. And then the final film, Phantasm Ravager, came out in 2016. Kind of like Mad Max. That's that's a that, that's a that yeah, but that's a good it gives spread, you just enough time you know? to where you remember it, and then you start hearing rumors about oh, they're we're doing this this really cool thing. Oh, 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 it's coming back. Oh my god, really? Oh, and then and then you get it. It gives it like you said. I think it's almost like a, a like a uh, like a sine wave. It's like it goes hot, then it drops down, then you start hearing stuff. It goes hot again. They I think they did a great job with that. They, they they time it so that it's there's enough time for nostalgia. The same. right, I, you're right. By the right, yeah, absolutely, right, absolutely. And they only by. While, while you're ahead. looking at, I'm sorry. I was just going to say while you're looking at films, has they have they ever done a film on Bioshock? Oh, the game. The, the you know video I played game? a little bit yeah. of Bioshock. Me... That would know, make maybe. a scary. Fucking game. Well, hold on, let me look. Bioshock movie, probably not. Oh well, here you go. From uh, 2020, uh, director reveals what happened to that Bioshock movie. Apparently, they were going to have one. Uh, popular first-person oh. shooter in 07. Blah 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 blah. Uh, actually, oh, Gore Verbinski, best known for The Ring and the first three Pirates of the Caribbean, was confirmed to direct a film ap- adaptation of. The- movie in in 2008 he was actually eight weeks away from the start of filming when the plug was pulled and nothing's been heard since because i mean you know the, the premise of that it's uh it's this guy uh, basically a howard hughes guy decides he's going to start his own society with his own rules and it's under the sea so it's no one's got jurisdiction right. And something goes horribly wrong, and it's almost basically a zombie apocalypse in a in a closed right. room environment because you're in an underwater city. And it that was one of the freakiest <clears throat> things I've ever played because it was just so like you're talking a soundscape. You could hear people oh, just good dying horribly. You know, it was like gurgling as they're slashed the you know that's horrible and yeah and you don't get there you only get glimpses of it so that it it kept the horror in your imagination did i tell you guys i know it's been a long time since we've talked but did i did i tell you guys about this absolutely horrible piece of crap movie i watched the other night on on uh, netflix called uh called uh, poseidon rex Oh, no. my God. <laughs> it was an under, under, underwater yes. tyrannosaurus. Yes. Basically, the bottom line is, uh, the here's the plot in a nutshell, which is, if it was any more paper thin, it would be it would be like uh, you could roll like a, a spring roll in it before you fried it. Um, it was under <laughs> underwater uh, gold from a, a wreckage off the... Uh, uh, I believe it's in Belize. Uh, and so they go down there with some C4 to blow up the thing to get the gold, uh, unleashing uh, Poseidon Rex, which is a underwater Tyrannosaurus Rex that has a bunch of eggs with a bunch of babies. And uh, the CGI, oh, my God. <laughs> it is I'm, I'm telling you, you, you know me, I'm willing to, I'll buy into anything. Like I'll, I am such the uh, quintessential uh, consumer of crap that there could ever live. This was, this was so bad. <laughs> the CGI was terrible. The acting was horrible. It was, but you know what? We, we watched it and we just laughed. We just laughed through the whole thing and it was meant to be serious. It was meant not like Sharknado. It was it was trying to be <laughs> serious, better. and it was like, oh, good God, this was. If you uh, maybe we should watch that. I think maybe and, and discuss that. I think I think <laughs> no! I, I said, you should uh, <laughs> sure. subject yourself to that and watch that because it was literally. I mean, 
So, so Dan, was it good, bad, no. like Mommy Dearest? No. Remember no, when Mommy, Mommy Dearest. Dearest came out? It was Mommy Dearest was supposed to be this, oh, like, you know, expose of, Davis you know. And... <laughs> right, right. And, and now it's like the, no, the movie no to watch and laugh hangers. at. Uh, that's, uh, <laughs> that could have been the tagline, I think. Wasn't that the tagline? No But Poseidon yeah. Rex, no. This is like, uh, this is... It's just, it is just, it's just bad. horrible bad. Like, not even funny bad. It's like, oh my God, are you fucking kidding me bad? It really is horrible. Well, when you first started, when you first started, like, a sunken gold in a thing, you go down to get to the gold, I was thinking. Oh, you, right? You would think that would have been. <laughs> let me tell you something, you know? Here's, some Here's the deal. Had they put the leprechaun <laughs> underwater, with the gold, and when the C4 left, I would have much rather seen the leprechaun come out and start laying waste to Belize than uh, Poseidon Rex. Like, no kidding. It's like, it's like the, and the, I swear to you guys, the CG is so horrible. It, I, I, I can't even think of another film where it was, it, where it was worse. It, it, it's like, you know, you know, in post production where you're kind of at least, put in some effort to make it look like it's blending into the scenery. So it wasn't even, no, it wasn't campy. It was like, it really tried to be a serious. It was just, just it was was horrible. (laughs) It was horrible. Now I would love to see, uh, I think I would love to see a leprechaun uh, versus Poseidon Rex, (laughs) you know, go go for the gold could be the subtitle. I, I think it would be like. I think it could be a hit. I I think that there somebody somewhere should write that script. I only want ten percent of the finder. That's all I want. Um, but there, yeah, and then and then you could have you hey, could have so, in space where there's like a bunch of gold on an. Well, dude, I I told you, there already there already is leprechaun in space. Oh Lord! <laughs> There's oh, but not not to be outdone. Uh, Leprechaun in the hood. <laughs> if you don't, if you don't believe me, yeah. look it up. It's there, and it's oh my God! Just when you thought, you know, it's like oh, I get it. Geez. I get you want to milk the franchise, and people want to get a paycheck to pay off their you know, their condo in Hawaii or something. But, you know, it's like at least have some dignity and create something that you're (laughs) going to be proud of. Like, I can't think of anybody who's going to be proud of Leprechaun in the Hood. (laughs) Poseidon Rex in the Hood. That's what I want to do. I want to do that movie. (laughs) Jurassic Jurassic Hood, yeah. Jurassic. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> oh my God! It's like the only person that 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 could have gotten away with making that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, would have been absolutely. Rudy Ray Moore. Absolutely, of blessed I, I memory. Think, uh... You know. <laughs> did no, I ever tell you I met Rudy him? Ray Moore? <laughs> so um, when we lived in Chicago, there was this. Um, a cable access show called Chickagogo. Oh, yeah. It was a dance show for kids, kids of all ages, yeah. and 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 they wow. had him as and a guest. <laughs> nice guy. Yeah, yeah. He was like the nicest guy in the Number world. Number one, yes. Chickagogo. Really so. cool. Uh oh. Hello. We lost oh, Dan. No, we lost Dan. What a great way to end the episode. (laughs) How did that happen? I was like, boom, he's gone. I don't know. Maybe he had a time limit. (laughs) His battery probably died. I don't know. Wah, wah, wah. He said, Mike just went out. (laughs) Ask him if we should just end the episode. He says he he can hear us. Oh, he can hear us, but he can't. But his... Okay, he says, let's call it good. All right. Let's call it good. Hey, Jerry, by the way, did you you get to see uh, the queen of the universe? No, not yet. (laughs) I do want to see that. The queen from outer space? Yeah, Yeah, take a look at that. Maybe that's... Yeah, Zsa Zsa Gabor. We should should do that one. (laughs) We should do that for the... That would be good. Yeah, okay. 
Thank you for joining us here on the newly resurrected Zombie Beach Podcast. Remember, you can send us feedback via our website, either at .zom.com or zombiebeachpodcast.com. They both go to the same place. Just look for the button that says Message. Push it. Record. We get it. It's that easy. And please, don't forget to give us a review on the podcast platform of your choice. Really, it helps us a lot, and it encourages us to keep going. Thank you. And take care.